Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. You certainly are. And today we're going to talk about nukes or nuclear in Ohio uh, for and probably some other wide ranging, but we're joined by uh, Pat Maride. But wait, what Marida? could possibly go wrong? Oh, nuclear? yeah, yeah. My second title, like what could possibly go wrong? Okay, well, what could go wrong? I forgot to give you the second title. Anyway, we're joined by Pat Morida. And Pat, Pat, I'll, I've got a little bio here, but you can correct me or, or truncate it if you want. I have you as a longtime anti-nuclear activist uh, since the 1980s, a board member of the Ohio Nuclear Weapons Freeze Campaign. 25 years, you're a volunteer at the Sierra Club. Uh, on environmental issues and chairing the Ohio Sierra Club Nuclear Free Committee. And for the past two years, you've been coordinating with the Ohio Nuclear Free Network. And with all that, you had to give up your job as a pharmacist, right? Because there was just no time. Is that pretty yeah. much it? Yes, uh, I've been retired uh, for about 15 years now. So, uh, okay. But I do have a background in the biological sciences. I've studied some physics, so so I understand how um, how how much the living cells are damaged by radioactivity. Okay. Ionizing radiation is not compatible with living, but I, living cells. I'm wondering what what brought you to this. What what was there like some singular thing, or just your knowledge as a scientist? What 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 brought you to this issue? Actually, uh, for Mother's Day, my son gave me Carl Sagan's book, Cosmos, and I read it. And at the very end was a chapter about nuclear weapons and nuclear war. And I was so appalled that this could destroy everything on Earth that I had a whole being born again, anti-nuclear, if you will, and um, just had to get involved with trying to, to stop uh, nuclear weapons and stop a, a nuclear arms race and the threat of nuclear war. Well, what prompted some of this conversation here was there's been some recent activity here in Ohio, uh, House Bill, what is it, a 434, is that right? Yes, that's an incarnation of a bill that's been going around for about six years now uh, that would create a whole new Ohio authority, like an agency, that would... Um, be put under the Department of Development and contract its work out to Jobs Ohio uh, that would do research and development on a new nuclear reactor, of course, paid for by Ohio uh, taxpayers. Mm -hmm. How did they decide Jobs Ohio? Mm -hmm. That seems a, a weird oversight committee. Well, <laughs> well Jobs Ohio is uh, a public-private institution. And so they are out of reach of Ohio ethics laws and certain um, um, employment conflict of interest issues. They're of uh, accountability, uh, which if they were a full-fledged agency, they would have to report all those things. So there'd and, be like sunshine requirements and they'd have to actually tell people what they were talking about and what they were doing? Yes. And not only that, this bill is only 14 pages. Now you're going to create a whole new Ohio authority in just 14 pages, six of which are about keeping the board of this new authority in-house so the public 
could not be involved in participating in this board of directors. The thing that I really don't understand is the, other than the uh, financial gain behind this, the fact that nuclear is, you know, really, we like to say it's dead in the water. Um, it's just not viable. It has too many elements and there haven't really been any new nuclear power plants come online for quite a long time. Right. What she's alluding to is is just when you do an economic analysis, let's not talk about it's it's good or it's bad or it's going to kill everybody on the planet Earth, you know, which I would put in the bad category myself. <laughs> but but it's just not economically competitive, economically competitive with all of the other alternatives. Yes, my goodness. The, while nu while solar and wind, especially wind, is down to uh, maybe three cents per kilowatt hour or in some cases, even half a cent. Nuclear is up there at, at 12 to 15%. So it's not competitive. Well, the good news is that uh, Ohio House Bill 434 is not being heard now. So it's almost certain to be dead for this year. And they'll have to start all over again next year with a new bill, which we hope they won't do. Well, they, you know, they tend to be really persistent because there's a lot of financial gain uh, somewhere for them. And I'm just wondering, what is the argument or what are the arguments for something like this? Because other than some people at, you know, at some level making a lot of money, it's a huge cost uh, to the taxpayer and also a huge cost to everything in the environment. I just completely can't connect with what would be the reason other than, you know, ill gain. Well, the, it's really all pie in the sky, the actual arguments that they're using. They're talking about making medical isotopes, which would only be done after a reactor is built, and then they would have to reprocess the waste to get the isotopes. So that's, that's a non-starter. And then they even talk about they have a complete solution for nuclear waste. Uh, they're going to do space travel. It is, it is absolutely crazy what you can find if you listen to their testimony wow. on the Ohio What universe are they in? Yeah. So, so they're actually saying they're going to use nuclear waste to do space travel? No, they're going to use, they're going to solve the problem of nuclear waste. Now, how they're like going to do that, I don't know. <laughs> Oh well, you know, I, I think this is a good example for a junket for the sp for the state legislature. <laughs> you know, let's uh, send let's them go up, up <laughs> head them on up there and they can do a little bit of research, play a little golf, you know, and uh, come back and tell us how it went. So, Well, actually, the company here, they don't have this is a group called E-Generation, a small group up in Cleveland, and they don't have any money to really uh, they don't have 60 million dollars. So it's. It's hard to understand how these things have legs, except it passed the House. And it, um, and there were Democrats as well as Republicans that voted for it. So um, it's strange that, that anything... I say, anything I say follow the money, Pat. Follow the money. Well, and let's go a little bit back in Ohio history here, because... Um, you know, what we're saying is we want a new nuclear industry in Ohio that has no effective governmental oversight. 
which takes us back to the good old days when we had a nuclear industry in Ohio with no effective governmental oversight. We still have nuclear stuff in Ohio, Um, though. But but I'm thinking specifically of the Piketon plant. Um, Could you give us a little bit of the history about some of the problems that, uh, because I'm sure it all went just swimmingly and everything's fine. So so tell us a little bit about what that what that process has been like. Well, this is called the, actually called the Portsmouth Nuclear Site, but it's not in Portsmouth. Uh, it's up in 20 miles north of Portsmouth in Pike County, about a 4,000 acre site. And so the government is overseeing, supposedly overseeing this. Um, but in the 1950s, they began to enrich uranium for nuclear bombs. And this process, they call it the gaseous diffusion plant. It took extreme amounts of energy. Uh, Their propaganda said that it used as much energy as the city of New York. Uh, Three massive process buildings, they actually cover 95 acres under roof. If you can imagine, you're farmers, you understand how much that is. 85 feet, 65 feet, 45 feet tall, uh, respectively. Two coal plants were built specifically to supply electricity to the Portsmouth site. Wow. And they they burn seven and a half million tons of coal annually. So this is hardly a carbon-free project. And, and the worst thing they did there was unbelievably they brought in high-level nuclear waste and they ran it through all of those buildings I'm talking about. And that contaminated the entire site with neptunium and plutonium and americium and highly radioactive substances. Um, And then uh, it was privatized in 1998, uh, given over to a private corporation at a bargain rate. Uh, They operated uh, uh, until 2001. Uh, Then the Department of Energy kept it on cold standby for four more years, which meant they didn't have to start cleaning up during that time. So cleanup, was estimated to cost over $10 billion, which, um, and that was the cost in yesterday's dollars. So um, local people in Piketon, they're very upset about the process of cleanup that's underway uh, uh, because it's a massive, it's a 5 million cubic yard on-site disposable, disposal facility that's under construction. It's going to have multiple individual cells and some of those cells are now being filled. Uh, these cells are supposed to hold the less radioactive rubble from those big buildings. But while some of the more radioactive components are being sent to Nevada and Texas, there some of these really radioactive things are still being buried at Portsmouth, even over strong public opposition. And uh, Senator Sherrod Brown said the waste acceptance criteria for the site uh, for the for the disposal site has holes big enough to drive a convoy of trucks through. Well, I understand, uh, you know, if I re- read the reports correctly, that during this cleanup, and we'll get back to some of the problems before this, but it, it's been handled in such a way that didn't they find a lot of radioactive dust in nearby middle schools and, and places like that? I mean, hasn't that been a current problem that's going on? Oh, certainly so. Uh, You know, they closed the middle school, the Zahn's Corner Middle School down there, because the Board of uh, of Education was very concerned about uh, students having uh, contracted 
uh, leukemia and other cancers and, and four students there have died. Uh, so we hired our Ohio Nuclear Free Network. We hired uh, an expert, Joseph M M Mangano, and he did a report on health statistics there. And he is an epidemiologist. He's the executive director of the Radiation and Public Health Project. He gathered information from the Ohio Department of Health and the Center for Disease Control. And he used those statistics to show that Pike County cancer mortality, it went, believe it or not, from 12% below the national average in the 50s and 60s to the latest is in 19, in 2019 and 20, it's now 33% above average. And that made Pike County the highest uh, of all Ohio counties in cancer mortality. And the premature, not only that, but the premature death rate in Pike County is almost twice the national average. You know, I wonder too, what, what is the, what is the um, uh, health of livestock and pets there? Because I know from other um, locations, just from electric generation, not from uh, nuclear, that uh, the death rate among like cattle, anything that's outside uh, pets is just unbelievable. I, I, maybe they don't measure that because it's not important, but it's definitely important because people are eating the food that is being raised on the pastures and all these places where that food would be contaminated. Okay. Well, Pat, before you answer that, let me uh, remind everybody that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jan Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Oh, I wish. Uh, 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 right, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Okay. We're being a little morbid here. <laughs> it's not here feeling since, like it right since now. Since we're talking about nuclear and nuclear that's occurring near home, and now, uh, as Pat just brought up, uh, we're joined by um, uh, Pat Morida, who is an activist, anti-nuclear activist here in Ohio, and pointing out that down in the, is it referred, you said it's the Portsmouth uh, nuclear, um, what is the true term for this place down near Piketon? Well, the Department of Energy calls it the Portsmouth site. And isn't it convenient that they leave out the word nuclear? So we, uh, of course, refer to it as the Portsmouth nuclear site. I'm surprised uh, that they don't call it the unicorn and bunnies uh, facility, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like whenever you see a bill at the legislature, if it's like the Freedom Act, you know it's trying to restrict your freedoms. Or if it's about jobs for everybody, it's about to put you out of work. So um, they always use the opposite of what it is. So anyway, that's a that's a whole different aside. So anyway, Annie raised the issue of you're saying that the activity at that site, and of course, correlation is not causation, and that's one of those issues that you're never going to be able to prove specifically this did that. But it seems pretty likely that the activity at this site has caused an elevation of cancers and other type diseases at that location. And has that extended not just to the human population, but to the animal population, uh, the livestock, the are the well, surrounding agricultural. And if the school is contaminated, then the pastures, the buildings that animals are raised in, the pets that go out and pee in the on the grass, all, everything is contaminated. It's wonder they're so, not all lit up and lighting the well, night have sky. Have there been have there been studies to this effect, there, Pat, or or are we just making uh, righteous assumptions here? 
Not that I know of, because the Department of Energy does not want to do any studies about any sure. kind of health. Um, um, so there's there are people are taking samples in private homes around there, around the Piketon site, and they the, or the Portsmouth nuclear site, I should say, and they are finding a lot of radioactivity in attics and so forth, where it's just been accumulating. But um, now, definitely, there have been animal mutations and deaths in places like around the Nevada test site and at Three Mile Island. I don't know of any uh, statistics or reports on pets in that area, but I can say that the Department of Labor Workers' Compensation has paid out more than $1.1 billion in compensation for illnesses and injuries to workers at the Portsmouth Nuclear Plant. And that is... That is with half of people that applied were denied benefits. The, the thing that, that strikes me, and I want to go back to this about the animals, is that, you know, so when we, when we try to talk about these issues and people's eyes just glaze over many, many issues that we're all interested in in terms of social justice. But it strikes me that when you look at statistics around how animals are treated. For example, we know from studies that if, if you are buying meat in a store and uh, that, that it's more important to that consumer how that animal was treated than if it was raised organically, not that the two are not related, but they want to know there was humane treatment. And so what I'm getting at is from a marketing standpoint, because I'm always trying to think, how do you get people energized? I mean, really a lot of people, not just five people who show up at the, at the you know, town hall. Um would be to know how these animals are being impacted. And then the fact that probably thousands, maybe millions of people are eating the meat from those, those uh, pastures. Um, it, it just strikes me as such a bizarre thing that nobody's doing anything about that because it affects anybody who eats meat. Yes. Well, I stopped eating meat because of the cruelty to animals and not just because of the environmental impact state uh, impacts that it that it had um, or my own health really it was mostly because of what I saw what I could actually see these animals suffering well, when I was doing a little bit of research on this, um, you know, little is about all I ever do. But anyway, uh, it looked like there were some really, really sort of obvious and egregious um, behaviors at this plant over the years when it was operating. Things like spraying contaminated materials onto the roads for de-icing, mixing it into the uh, soil for plowing it under basically well, the fields I remember nearby. as a kid they well, were using that, it as fertilizer and they were bringing it into the fields and contaminating everything all over not just around Waverly and Piketon but in in all the especially up by Toledo and places like that it was a big story at one point so well Marius, let me out? interrupt let, let me interrupt you here <laughs> we're not gonna let you talk you're just our expert that was uh, radioactive waste from fracking, which is not from a, really not from a nuclear activity, but anytime you go down and mine uranium, such as for a nuclear activity, or when you try to get natural gas out of a, uh, Ohio's bedrock, which is full of uranium, it brings up all this natural ra radioactivity 
plus the 600 or so chemicals that are added to uh, allow this uh, process, this fracking process to happen, to lubricate the detached uh, wellhead, that kind of thing. So there's two, two different things. They're not putting anything from the Portsmouth nuclear site from actual nuclear activities onto the roadways, but they are putting it from fracking. So it's natural gas that is, um, that is responsible for those, uh, for those things that go on the road um, are sprayed. Actually, they, are, they at one time were putting coal ash waste from burning coal. So sure. those are fossil fuel activities that have, have radioactivity and other um, chemicals sprayed well, on our roads. Well, let me expand out a little bit from the Portsmouth facility because we're talking about nuclear. Uh, it just struck me when I heard about this house bill. It, it's like a discord because it feels like the nuclear industry is dead and buried. We're off into the age of renewables and they're trying to bring this this uh, you know beast from the past back up and give it new life well what other things are happening in in ohio specifically that are are on the nuclear horizon are, do we have active nuclear power plants here in ohio um you know what's what's the state of the world you know from that perspective well ohio has two operating nuclear power plants and they are Davis Bessie, which is up on Lake Erie, uh, just east of Toledo, and Perry, which is on Lake Erie also, east of Cleveland. And of course, the reason they're on the lake is because they use tremendous amounts of water. Um, and um, they both, Perry, they're trying to get a 20-year license extension beyond this 40-year uh, engineered lifespan. Davis Bessie already has a 20-year um, license extension. Davis Bessie has um, uh, has problems because of the shield building. Now, their shield building is a concrete and rebar structure that goes over the nuclear reactor. It uh, uh, was never painted originally, and so the rebar was rusting, and, and you all know what happens when rebar rusts. It expands, and it bursts out the concrete. So this concrete so-called so shield building is cracking. And uh, they, they said uh, the Department of Energy was lied to. And of course, they quickly believed that, that this cracking was not expanding. Well, and since then, of course, they got the license extension. And guess what? The cracking is expanding. So now um, they are trying to well, I, th I think they have gotten, they have received permission from the Department of Energy to not have to meet the standards for concrete over this, over this shield building. So we're, in a, we're running these ancient plants far beyond their engineered lifespans and keeping our fingers crossed that nothing's going to happen. So is the Davis Bessie site, reactor site, is that the site that was involved when uh, Mr. Householder uh, decided that we needed to uh, bail out the uh, nuclear industry by charging Ohio, every Ohioan, a fee? Yes, Davis Bessie and Perry, those two. But the money was just going to go to First Energy, which is now Energy Harbor, 
It was just going to go to them. And they also operate two nuclear plants, uh, well, two, two reactors at one site in Beaver Valley, Pennsylvania, which is only four miles from the Ohio border. And um, so First Energy said at that time that they were losing money and they were going to have to close the plants if they didn't get this bailout. Well, they did get the House Bill 6 did pass, but then First Energy had to ask them to rescind the bailout because the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission passed a new rule that said that if they were getting a subsidy, they could not compete in the bidding. So they would not have been able to sell any of their electricity. So they asked to have the, the, uh, the, <laughs> their bailout rescinded. Uh, but of course they did not. House Bill 6 still has um, the, the, the dismemberment of the renewable and efficiency standards complete, completely dismissed those. And they're still bailing out two, two coal plants um, they were outside of the state, right? In Indiana? The, one the of, them was. One yeah. of them was outside of the state. Well, we should also point out that a number of people have been arrested. There were allegations, uh, allegedly, the of, the house. of what, $60, $60 million <laughs> in bribes that were paid, uh, allegedly, by First Energy to these alleged legislators. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, I think it's interesting to me that the the fallout from this, of course, when it was happening, it was clear it was a pay to play type thing. Um, everybody acknowledges everything was illegal in all of this, yet for some reason, nothing, it seems to still be going on. You know, it still seems like this legislation, most of it is is still in effect, which strikes me as sad. Oh, it's more than sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pitiful, really. And people voted for this. So, you well, know, it's just it's just bizarre. Okay, well well Pat, we only have a minute. We only we only have a minute left. So tell us something <laughs> hopeful, right? In this minute that we have before we start crying. So, well, check out the Ohio Nuclear Free Network. We're getting a new website. Uh, it, uh, some good information can be found by doing a, just doing a search for the Ohio Nuclear Free Network. And lastly, I would say don't believe the hype that hydrogen or that carbon is nu- uh, <laughs> that nuclear is carbon free because uh, uh, look at all the all the activities at the Portsmouth site and see if you think that's carbon-free. Okay. Well, thank you, Pat. Well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Today, we've been um, joined by Pat Morida, and we thank you very much for that, Pat. And we want to thank our always nuclear-free Emmy (laughs) Award-winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for just spending a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and go check out Ohio Nuclear Free Network. All right. Till next time.
You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.